Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Charlotte. I'm Chad. Chad, how can you tell if someone is a Christian? How can I tell if someone is a Christian? That's a tricky question. You know what? I try to avoid making this kind of determination about another person. Mostly because I know from experience how unfair, how it feels when someone says I'm not a Christian because they disagree with something I believe. Mm-hmm. And I know in my heart I'm sincerely trying to follow Christ. And what I believe is usually something I've prayerfully considered. So at least in my best moments, I try to avoid making those kinds of determinations. However, I mean, I often do look at what others do or a position they hold, and I think, well, that's so far from anything I understand about Christ. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound all pious as if I don't make any kind of judgments. So, I don't know. It's a tricky question. If I think about it in terms of what is essential to Christian faith? And are those essentials recognizable by others? That seems like an interesting question. Okay. Well, let's take that question then. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is essential to the Christian faith? Well, that's that's still, that's hard. That, That would be recognizable. I mean, you know, Jesus says something. He'll say, you know, by their fruit, you will know them. Mm -hmm. He says that in Matthew seven. But in that context, he's talking specifically about false prophets. And he goes on to say, you know, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Good trees bear good fruit. Therefore, by their fruit, you can. So, well, and here's the other thing. Well, let's just stick with the question. Is there anything essential to the Christian faith that is recognizable by others? I mean, if someone, most Christians make a public confession of their faith, for instance. Mm-hmm. So that would be, but again, would I say that's essential to the Christian faith? Hmm. Maybe we can define Christian first. <laughs> okay. Do you want to start over? So <laughs> no, I mean, I think in the discussion, we should define Christian, which is not easy. Is a Christian just someone who makes a public confession of faith or that believes certain things? And I was talking yesterday about how faith is not simply believing certain things are true about Christ. It's also trust in Christ and commitment to his way of life. Mm -hmm. in, In James, it says, you know, it says, show me your faith apart from your works. And I, by my works, will show you my faith. That seems to indicate at least according to the person who wrote James, that there ought to be some works that Christians do. And presumably those works would be indicative of faith. Of course, it's in that same book where it says even the demons believe, but of course they're not followers of Christ. I think you've been sort of slowly circling what I think is a central point, not just circling Mm -hmm. it, but... Uh, of this idea of if we only define Christians 
by belief, mm-hmm. we don't really have a metric to measure that. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but like our beliefs change maybe within a framework, maybe within a basic framework of what we kind of universally understand as the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not as though, I mean, I'm sort of referencing back to our episode on faith and doubt as well here, you know, that those doubts don't also make us like not Christian for right. a moment, right? There's a community of believers that believes for us when we don't or we can't, you know, um, no. and that doesn't mean that we've fallen out. So there's something I think that we want to be wary with in defining Christianity as simply a set of beliefs. Right. In the same way, we might be a little wary of defining it as only a set of practices, but that the tradition has largely affirmed, and as you're pointing out, you know, even in the scriptural evidence, as defining the faith by fruit, by acts, by mm. what it's tangible that we can see. And this question to me, I went straight to Justin Martyr's first apology and mm-hmm. kind of looking at, okay, so how did he describe <laughs> what Christians were to this outside audience? And and it's those same themes of, of course, he's, you know, arguing against the persecution of Christians, uh-huh. right? It's a particular context, but saying you can't just be rounded up and executing people because they're Christians or beca- because they, they call themselves or because other people call them Christians. That's mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything. You have no way of proving, even if, even if you thought their particular beliefs or their faith was somehow unlawful, there isn't a way to prove that, right? So that the measure of the person's morality before the state, even in this case, is has to be based upon their acts, right? If they're an immoral person, then yeah, go get them. Right. If they're a moral upstanding citizen, then what do you care whether what someone calls them? So just to kind of affirm, and I mean, this is, you know, early second century, right? I mean, this is some of our earliest post-scriptural, let's say, documents of the faith, but yeah. of saying like, yeah, that, that which is also interesting because he, even he is starting to recognize in some ways there are nominal Christians. There are people who mm-hmm. call themselves, who may be part of it, but do we ever, do we ever really know? Which then is going to force us like maybe toward more Calvin of saying, you know, we never really know what what lies within the human mm. heart or the human mm-hmm. mind or someone's, of course, nonetheless, someone's standing before God, you know. Right. I mean, under what circumstances would I need to make that determination? <laughs> That's a if great another question. Person, <laughs> if another person is a Christian. <clears throat> I mean, in our tradition, you can't refuse somebody baptism if they request it. Maybe I'm misunderstanding that. But as I understand it, if somebody requests baptism, you can't be like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I and I think part of that is because you can't, like you were saying, you can't look into the person's heart to determine. I still, American Christianity right now is so overwhelmed by these 
images and things that, I mean, like, like you had said, just don't jive at all with yeah. how you might understand the faith or how I might understand the faith. And it's so hard on one aspect. It's not my business to say, that's not Christian. On the other side, to give clarity to the other people that I lead and teach, some or public witness even, some kind of opposition to that with you know, the nationalism, um, right. you know, these kinds of extreme things that we're seeing um, that are a his then they're ahistorical and they're really, really particular to this country and this culture. This culture. I mean, there's always cultural aspects that are going to be tied in with the Christian faith just because humans are cultural beings. We Absolutely. You know, there's always cultural aspects wherever we find Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a, a form of lived faith that is not embedded in cultural aspects that are not essential to the faith. So in any given culture, there's going to be cultural markers whereby somebody on seeing those markers can say that person is a, is a Christian. For instance, they wear a cross mm-hmm. and not necessarily be wrong. That person might very well be a Christian. But just because someone exhibits certain cultural markers does not mean they are sincerely seeking to follow Christ. Um, you know, people go to church for all kinds of reasons um, that may have little to nothing to do with Christ, or they embrace certain cultural aspects of it. But yeah, we're in such a strange situation right now where Christianity has been I think in many people's minds, so closely identified with uh, certain political positions and such Mm -hmm. that an outsider looking in might make assumptions like, um, if this person holds this political position, they must be a Christian. Or if they hold this other position, you know, we live in a culture right now where some Christians will say, if you support this political party, you can't be a Christian. Right. Which is absurd. Yeah. But that's the strange space we're in right now and it's frustrating there is definitely a cultural christianity right now that has abs- has absolutely nothing to do with jesus christ <laughs> yeah you know am i saying those people some of those people aren't sincere that's not my judgment to make i'm just saying look there are certain things going on right now that have nothing to do with jesus christ yeah you know, you know i'm struck listening to you too that some of those early documents also take those that word about you know there's no longer greek or jew sort of mm-hmm. thing within christianity of of not just being like those divisions don't matter right mm-hmm. but when we see things like in the um so-called letter of diognetus and things where it's talking about Christians are a third race, right? Or in some documents, mm-hmm. like a fourth race. It's not just Greek or Jew doesn't matter. You know, Gentiles are invited in to this faith. It's, yeah, but we're standing somewhere else outside mm-hmm. of those particular cultural markers that come right. with either of those. And then, you know, then you see a little later, oh, we've discovered there's a whole bunch more like uh, pagans, or they refer to them as barbarians, whatever, you know, something else too. We're not that either, but that Christians aren't 
um, beholden to those same cultural systems or societal mm-hmm. systems and are standing in a different place in the world, which I wonder if that doesn't, maybe us, <laughs> since we're kind of formed by that early, some of those early Christian documents. But when we see people so embracing these cultural markers of Christianity, the suspicion that I bring with it, mm-hmm. right? With going, that's, you're heaping something else into the faith that's that's not supposed to be there. Yeah, that's a, such a great uh, epistle to Diognetus. You know, where it talks about, we look like everybody else and, except, you know, we're different. If you think in terms of polis, we're cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. I think it even says, you know, Christians are the soul of the world. Yeah. Right. Play. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically saying we live in the same places. We do the same things, but we're citizens of a different kingdom. Right. And and that's the thing. In my mind, we should be in we should live in such a way that people are going to see a marked difference from whatever cultural trappings might exist in any given culture. They should st- still be able to say, not based on, and of course, here I'm, I'm already answering the question, not based on the clothes I wear, or, but based on the way I treat others and, you know, the things I do in particular, um, siding with the outcasts and helping the poor and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the early church marked themselves out by that. Yeah. You know, there's, I can't remember, there's a letter where a guy's essentially complaining about, he calls them um, Galileans, but he says, look, they're going around helping the poor and helping, you know, tending the sick and helping the poor, and they're making us look bad. (laughs) We need to start doing these things too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When everybody else, when the plague comes and everybody else flees, they're helping people and burying the dead. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of disheartening. I don't want to be an all downer, but it is. Really. <laughs> well, no, I think that's interesting, though. The first um, early markers of Christianity from the outside, you know, mm-hmm. from, from the Romans and others, and some of it even being disparaging, but of course, the big secret of the faith and the idea that the faith wasn't shared widely because it was oppressed and it was dangerous, right? So what could outsiders see about it? And it's the things that you're talking about. I mean, so the faith was known as basically being a burial society, that the Christians would take care of your dead and Mm -hmm. take care of anybody's dead, that that was incredibly important, that the Christians were seeking out and adopting babies and children left to exposure, right? We're Mm -hmm. taking in the orphans and the widows. Um, The Christians were slandered as being a woman's church, Right. right? And that's largely from, you know, openness to, again, widows, outcasts, who had nothing to lose socially by being able to join the church, but that those were the marks of what a Christian was, was to be involved in this kind of service and feeding and care of people. Right. Which looked in some ways quite different from 
the rest of other other aspects of society. And, you know, they were, you kind of hit on this, they were, I guess I'm going to use this phrase, seeker sensitive. And they weren't just trying <laughs> to sign people up. You had to go through years of catechism, am I wrong? Sometimes, in some instances. Because it was such a scandal, because it was considered such an incredible scandal to the faith to have somebody who was baptized and part of a church and then have them either commit apostasy or some other hypocrisy and an action, something like that, was mm-hmm. considered something that hurt the church. So, yeah, you, those people were vetted and taught and screened yeah. and everything else because yeah, they, you couldn't you didn't want them falling away it hurt everybody or that was the understanding yeah the catechism process was involved yeah i don't know you know i realized something recently that should very well be shameful and i am a little embarrassed about but that when i see someone in christian garb or with the markers of the faith that my immediate reaction is suspicion, if not maybe revulsion. Now that depends upon like the particulars there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, okay, so the guy in in the black t-shirt with the American flag and Bible verse and you know, a picture of a gun and whatnot. Yes, I am I'm not gonna try to strike up a conversation with that guy. But even you know, somebody with a cross or something that I'm like, I don't, I don't know what kind of Christian you are. <laughs> and if we're really going to be on the same page or not. And if, and I maybe particularly as a woman, and I think I'd be even more skeptical if I were a person of color, but you know, if I see another white person, even with a cross, I'm like, I don't, are you part of like the toxic christianity stuff or are you more involved in something else um which i don't feel the same way and this is probably just ignorance but you know if i see somebody wearing the um a man wearing the marks of um the sikh faith i'm like that is a helper that is if something bad happens here that's the person i'm running to if i see somebody in gosh that christian t-shirt or even like the a woman with, and it's like the live, laugh, love font, and it's some Bible verse or something on it. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, if I want to interact or not. Yeah, because the faith has become so identified with these cultural things that have nothing. I mean, a shirt with a Bible verse and a gun. Come on, man. Right. Although I feel that way about Dominicans, too, sometimes. <laughs> I mean that is a chat. I know a lot of really it depends nice depends on what habit you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, I know we're even getting more religious. If I, I know plenty of I know some Dominicans that are I really enjoy the company of. I know too many that are so invested in Thomas Aquinas in a certain way that I, we we just don't really have a starting point for conversation. <laughs> Um, I'm hanging out with the Franciscans myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Franciscans, <laughs> great. Yeah, looking for that. And the difference between, you know, a man in a clerical collar, I don't know anything about you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know the faith. I don't know kind of what aspect you're coming from. A woman in a clerical collar, 
I feel it a lot better about. And it's not a male-female thing. I'm just, okay, you're probably from a mainline Christian tradition and you want to be public and vocal about that and are mm-hmm. stepping out and taking up space. We're probably on the same page with a lot of things. You know? yeah. Well, you can narrow down the denominations that allow women to be clergy. Sure, sure. That, yeah. Well, look, if, I think if we just go with Scripture, love is a big— Jesus says, everyone will know you are my disciple by how harshly you condemn those whose sins are different than yours. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't say <laughs> that at all. <laughs> But I'm glad you concur. <laughs> I think he said. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, that was too funny, man. I got to stop. Okay, what did Jesus say instead? <laughs> <laughs> was it something about love? <laughs> yeah, it was. He said, everyone, everyone will know you, my disciple. Uh, <clears throat> your love. For one another. <laughs> and first John, I mean, it's very clear, you know, in terms of love being essential, you know, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than that. Mm-hmm. Of course, when I hear that, word love I, you know i'm not thinking oh they feel warm fuzzies in their hearts i'm thinking right. they're doing uh, their love is obvious and unmistakable in the in, in, by what they're doing in the world <laughs> <laughs> do you think everyone who listens to this thinks i'm an idiot <laughs> no no or do you think they get that sometimes I'm just being silly. <laughs> well, you're not an idiot. I definitely draw that conclusion at all. That was pretty funny. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does say that. <laughs> Do you think there is a bare minimum that one should be able to confess to be considered a Christian? Well, in the baptismal vows we say first we turn from sin and renounce evil and its power in the world we trust jesus as our lord and savior and then we will follow him and show his love and the response we have to that is i will with god's help Mm. i think bare minimum is just trying to follow christ really that is Treat people the way you want to be treated, the love your neighbors yourself, that kind of thing, at least. Could we summarize that as just the confession of Jesus as Lord then? Yeah. Because if I'm saying Jesus is Lord, I'm saying I'm committed to following him or to living as he taught. He's my right. Lord. And renouncing other allegiances then, too. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that is the bare minimum. And maybe this needs to be said. Even those who are sincerely doing their level best are going to think, say, and do things that are contrary to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I guess that's another thing that gives me pause about, oh, well, that person's not a Christian or that person is a Christian. 
it's it's a it's a process in my mind. We grow by grace in fits and starts, and so I'm very hesitant to be, to make any kind of determination. Well, it's not my place. Who am I? I'm under the lordship of Christ. Perhaps it's more useful to frame it more as a question of what looks more Christian than other things. Yeah. And and then of course the standard becomes what is Christ is how much what we do, what we say, who we are imitates Christ in some way. Right? Yeah. I'm rather than determine that looks good, that doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're in, you're out. Right. But to say, you know, how close to the mark are we as individuals and as communities um, imaging the life and work of, of Christ in some way? Yeah. But with, with your caveat, of course, that we're not, none of us are going to achieve that. Uh, I mean, we, or, or should be expected to, right? And there's going to be oops-a-daisies and, and other issues and problems along the way and stumbling blocks but that's that's fine that doesn't negate right uh, the continuation of the striving toward that aim you know in a partnership with the holy spirit toward that sanctification right there's uh that in second peter the first chapter you can probably hear me turning pages yeah but it gives a list of things. It says, um, support your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, add to that mutual affection, and then finally, love. But what it says after that, is, he says, as long as these are increasing among you, you're good. Yeah. In other words, you know, as long as you're working towards the goal, I'm, you know, this is maybe this is off topic, but I really reject ideas of Christian perfection or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely that, you know, it's it's a process. And so I want to be very gentle with myself and others. But then again, I mean, and maybe it, as a community, you know, individuals are going to be, you know, in different places. But as a community the body ought to be hitting on some things. Yeah. There ought to be enough mature Christians within the body to ensure that the whole thing is moving in the right direction. Mm. That brings to mind, you know, some of the conversations that are happening right now about the metrics that we use to measure church or congregational vitality now, which historically in America, and historically, I mean, the last like century, <laughs> right? But of, you know, these, the metrics of average weekly worship attendance, right? And these metrics that are clearly failing us now, they never were representative of the body in some way in the mm-hmm. work of the body, but now they just seem really useless. And they were always meant those kinds of you know, how many new members, how many people left, what's mm-hmm. the average weekly uh, worship attendance. And they were always meant to be visible signs of intangible, invisible things, 
right? So, and the assumption being, you know, as if this church is growing, it must be doing well. Mm-hmm. Right? If if the average weekly worship attendance is increasing, then there's that's indicative of some vitality in worship. And I think as we look more toward metrics, and again, they're not going to be perfect because it's always a visible measure of an invisible thing. But I would be so much more interested in how many people are involved in particular ministries and missions in a church Mm -hmm. or what kind of impact the church is making in the community, how a church Mm -hmm. is known in a community. The the church that's known as having the food pantry and the soup kitchen and the garden, you know, that they give away fresh vegetables and things like that. That church sounds really good to me as far as a measure of you talking about uh, more mature disciples, people that are actually uh, striving as a community to embody those ideals of Christ as opposed to a church that, you know, had had 500 members and now has 550, but no one knows what they, what they do or who they, or what, how they serve, you know? Yeah. The whole, oh, you can measure a church in terms of, you know, quantity. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Because we know people are staying home from church because they're disgusted. <laughs> And they might be very sincere followers who do a lot of good in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're trying, we're still trying to suss out exactly. There seems to be myriad reasons why people haven't come back to the pews the way we yeah. once thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, when things, I can't say the pandemic is over, but when things became more safe, but that that is causing folks to reevaluate how they measure how Christian a church is. Right, how mm-hmm. how vital or how how well a particular community is doing then, and what are they measuring now? They've rather than measuring butts and pews, mm-hmm. the kind of turn is more towards measuring or looking at what we can see as far as the fruits of yeah. discipleship the fruits. of the works of that community. That makes sense. If a church is getting heaped on it, the kind of slander or rumors that the you know first and second, third century Romans were putting on it probably do it pretty well, right? <laughs> They're getting known as the ones who are feeding children, who are looking mm-hmm. after old folks, who are making sure that everybody is being buried with dignity, has a death of dignity, isn't dying alone. You know, these things that are important to the faith. Yeah. Um, and getting that kind of reputation, that's probably a far better measure than how how many people were added to the roles or not. Right. You'd like to think if a church was doing all those things that it would be attractive anyway. And it may or may not be, but there's people who yeah. can't afford the kind of scandal that comes with some of that work. Either. And, you know, sometimes you've got this charismatic person who people just love to come and listen to that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with anything right so that church might be full i'm not going to give any examples well i mean i'll i'll give at least one i mean we saw the scandal with joel austin's ministries with not opening those buildings when people needed shelter 
from you know oh, yeah. hurricanes and other storms and things and that and that was largely from non-christians honestly i mean you know the media yeah. the rest the rest of the country whatever and for christians too but just going I, yeah, I don't know a lot about this faith, but I'm pretty sure you should be able to do <laughs> yeah. the basic of caring for people who are otherwise really <clears throat> going to be harmed and maybe um, whose lives are going to be put in jeopardy if you don't take them in. You know, you have the resources to do this. Let's see it, you know. And you, you just hit on something right there. There's a lot of people who are not confessing Christians. They don't even claim to it. But when they think of what Christians should be doing, they're thinking of the these same markers we're thinking of. Just yeah. Taking care of the poor, helping, loving. So the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> they know it. They know they, about us. What we're supposed ex- to be doing. The expectation yeah. is out there. Yeah. Is there anything that you could see that you'd be like, that's probably, that's probably my people, or that's probably a, a Christian that we you would 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 instill some sense of confidence in you. What about a stylite? <laughs> I want to see a stylite. I want to be now. That's a little strange. But I want to see one. <laughs> yeah, if I walk into town and there's somebody up on the top of a pole living there, hopefully hurling down proclaims for the need to repent or something, that'd be fun too. But yeah, if somebody's living on the top <laughs> of a tall pole, I would be excited. You know, here's the thing. The things that would get me excited about seeing a group of people because they were Christian would get, I imagine I could see those same things from other people who are not Christians or people from other faiths. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, Justin and Augustine and all of those folks decided that was true enough that they went and claimed Plato and (laughs) Aristotle and all kinds of people. So there's just anyone who's good, moral, upstanding, thinks about what it means to live a good life, what is happiness, wants to see those things flourish in others, others. has some kind of kinship with this faith. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's significant that you can find the golden rule in virtually every major religion. And those are my people, people who live, people who love their neighbors as themselves, whether they confess Christ or not. Those are my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are the people I want more of in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, if if what it's going to be is a bunch of people who confess Christ but have no interest in loving their neighbor, those aren't the people I, I want to be hanging out with. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself less and less concerned with the particulars of people's beliefs. I mean, at least because for one, I know it's fluid from moment to moment. That's my own experience. There may be a kind of set of core things, but it's always adjusting in some way, given circumstances and new information that I'm taking in. Mm-hmm. But also, if you can recite and even proclaim you believe something like the you know Westminster Standards, that can be little more than a party trick. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> And also because I know that a bunch of the people that have distilled the faith to something like that are so mean. That's the thing, man. There are some mean Christians out there. And when I say Christian, I mean, that's what they (laughs) say they are. (laughs) (laughs) What they say they are. 
I don't know. But, you know, the internet has opened up my eyes to a lot of things. And one thing is there's a lot of people out there confessing Christ's names that are downright mean. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Charlotte. Are those people Christians? (laughs) (laughs) How about this? I don't know, but I don't want to be a Christian like they are. There you go. (laughs) I can get on board with that. I want something different for myself and for others uh, than that. I I want folks who are learning to love themselves and are learning to share love outwardly with others and who are taking greater and greater risks for that love. Um, That's, that's what I'd like to see. Amen.